What's up, kiddos? It's Clinton Yates here, and I'm back with another gem from earlier this year. You ever been to a pub and seen a dartboard? Some folks may casually play while knocking back a couple of beers, but for others, it's a serious sport. Earlier this year, people around the world got a taste of the World Darts Championship when commentator Wayne Martle went viral covering a genuinely historic duel between Michael Van Gerwen of the Netherlands and Michael Smith of England. So today, we revisit Pablo Torre's conversation with Wayne Martle himself as they walk us through a championship that left onlookers speechless. It's Thursday, December 28th, and this is ESPN Daily. So the legendary Wayne Martle, I have one question for you here at the very top. How's your voice doing? It's all right. It's okay. It was a bit. It was a bit croaky after the uh, the, the leg, should we call it? The combination finishing in this game is going to be key. You can tell by the way they're scoring. They may both be on nines. If you live in the United Kingdom, you probably know the voice of Wayne Martle. But after last week, after millions of people suddenly got a taste of him, I figured it was long past time for us to get to know him here. One man misses, does the other man get? I've never seen the like! Come on, Spully Boy! Because this is Wayne calling the World Darts Championship Final. A Genuinely historic duel, it would turn out, between Michael Van Gerwen of the Netherlands and Michael Smith of England. And Wayne's commentary helped make it the most globally viral thing that has pretty much ever happened to this admittedly strange game. Yes! Double 12! That is the most amazing leg you will ever see in your life! I can't speak! I can't I've lived darts, I've spoken about darts for literally 40 years of my 49 years. I've never, ever seen anything like it. It's so rare. This is the final of the World Championship. If it was another game, it would still be amazing, but it's the final of the biggest game in any year. Darts is very in the moment. If you're throwing a dart, it's either in or it isn't. And the difference between it being in and and not, it may only be the width of a wire. It may only be that. But if it's the wrong side of the wire, you go from champ to chump in a matter of seconds. You go from like loser to legend in a matter of seconds. So today, Wayne Martle tells the glorious story of the game that was heard around the world for everyone who had little to no idea what was happening when they saw it, myself included. I'm Pablo Torre, and this is ESPN Daily.
Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So, I gotta confess something to you, Wayne. I have asked you here because I don't know if I've fallen in love with anything as quickly as I have fallen in love with professional darts. I love this. Well, you're an enormous reason why. Oh. But I also, I also very genuinely need you to explain something that I don't know the answer to. Yeah. And you'll please forgive me here. What is professional darts? <laughs> right, right. I, I love that. Right, let's start from, from when professional darts started. Right, darts has always been, uh, you know, like a nine ball pool in America. Yeah, pool, billiards. It's, it's a bar game, right? It's a bar game. Yes, you play with a beer probably in your hand. Yes, exactly. You play with you, your buddies, you have a beer. Yes. Darts started in a similar way back in the 50s and 60s. And people started to play. And it become popular. Now, what would happen is that a pub would then get uh, 20, 30 players in it. And what they would do then, would everyone would put in, in American terms, a couple of dollars. Mm. And they would play for the money. That's what would happen. Just like it, it happens in balls up and down America. Like you're hustling. You're kind of hustling. <laughs> Especially the good ones. I, I've done it once or twice. I was going to say, Wayne, Wayne is smiling with the smile, with the Cheshire grin of a man who may have won exactly. a couple a couple pounds, as you call yes, it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, a couple of pounds sterling. Yes, yeah. <laughs> now, with that, you then go to pubs and clubs that are now playing more darts and more darts where there's more people. And now you're playing for bigger pots. Then people start to take the game a bit more seriously when they realize they can earn a wage, a yearly wage of playing darts, right? So what you're saying is that this started as an off-the-books enterprise yes. that mushroomed because of the interest and because of the stakes that kept on growing. Yes. And then people realized, wait a minute, this could be a job, actually. 100%. This is what happened. So there was one guy in particular that saw the growth of darts. His name was Oliver Croft, well-known within the darting world, actually uh, known as Ollie Croft. At nine o'clock, everyone in the pub stopped talking. They all come round the dartboard and watch. I thought, well, all of a sudden, I thought, well, there's something in this. Everyone in the pub come round and watch a dart match. From that moment on, Ollie and his wife Lorna dedicated their lives to turning a pub game into a major amateur sport. And what years are we talking about now at this point in the timeline? Now this is about 1974-75. He created what was the British darts organization. He got all these people together and said, right, if you pay five pounds, I will get 
three, four, five thousand people playing for a big sum of money. Then during the early 80s, darts went boom. It went worldwide. Americans, Chinese, Japanese, the Dutch, the Germans, the Finnish, they were all playing in what was then the World Darts Championship. And then, of course, you get, you get sponsors come in. They want to push their brands, whatever brands they are. The world of darts has grown so big, so big, so quickly that some of the guys are now uh, multimillionaires. A lot of us are. And this is darts. <laughs> I, I love I, that you still can't quite believe what right. you have lived. I can't. I can't. As a, as a 16-year-old, I realized that I had a talent to play the game. Picture the scene. I'm 16 years of age. I'm working as a trainee accountant in the city of London. This would have been 1989. I take a Friday off of work and the guys ask where I'm going. I said, I'm going to a darts tournament with my, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. And I win it. And I win a thousand pounds sterling. It took me five weeks from Monday to Friday to earn that money. As in traveling there and back, an hour and a half commuting there and back, working. And I earned that in three days, playing darts. <laughs> I was bowled over. I, I'd, I'd won at life. I'd won at life as a 16-year-old. I didn't know there was bigger things on the horizon, but this is where professional sport uh, grabs you. I didn't take up darts to be a professional. I took up darts because my dad used to play. I took up darts because I watched my dad beat his, his mates in the pub and I used to sit there just having a bit of fun. And now I'm talking to you guys about professional darts. What Full circle, what's happened there? Well, well, what seems to happen, Wayne, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that in England, like, audiences show up. And I will say, when I watch... When I watch the world championships, as you called them, and I see what it looks like yeah. to be performing in front of this crowd. Like, how do you describe the energy for someone who has only seen it through a screen? The energy is, it's relentless. It's absolutely relentless. Not at any point do the audience switch off. Even if they go quiet for a second, you're waiting for it to erupt. It's like Helen Sharpshooter. What a start! Back to back low 80s. He's on a possible 10 darter. Having played on, on that exact same stage, I can tell you that as a player, there's always something happening, whether it be your opponent does something mind-boggling or you do something mind-boggling or the audience starts to 
support you. They're cheering your name. They're like 5,000 people cheering your name. I done to deserve this? Why? <laughs> what? Why me? Why me? Screaming to high heaven, the gods of gods. I did it. I did it. He crumbles with emotion. But look, I, I, I can honestly say this. There's times I've come off that stage and I feel like an absolute giant. And there's other times when you've lost and it, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. It's horrible. Professional sport will do that to anyone. It will do that to anyone. But the atmosphere, the atmosphere, whilst you feel like your life has imploded because you've lost, the audience, the, the, the fans, they, they are the absolute crux of this. Every now and again, it gets a little raucous. It gets a little, uh, it gets a little harsh on some of the players that are not the crowd's favourite. Mm. It's not always pleasant, but look, it happens, unfortunately. But they, the, the, the crowd, are, they're an integral part of the sport, massive part of the sport. Well, I mean, let's be, let's be visually accurate, too, about what these fans look and sound like, Wade. <laughs> because I'm seeing, I didn't realize that you guys were doing it like this, but I saw some Power Rangers. I saw some Minions. I think you call them Father Christmas. I saw a bunch of Father Christmases. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it, it's a sight to behold. The funniest, the funniest costume I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. I saw this happen before my very eyes. There was a, a guy sitting in the bleachers and before my very eyes was an inflatable T-Rex growing. <laughs> it was... Oh, it inflating, went, inflating it. Inflating. It was inflating. It was it was literally growing like a foot every kind of three or four seconds. And it went from just man size to, I would say, 30 feet <clears throat> and about seven feet wide, right over the presenter's shoulder. As I'm trying to be serious now, was this <laughs> T-Rex's head? It's the most peculiar thing I've ever seen. After the break, the greatest game of darts that anyone had ever seen. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin. And the Wi-Fi is so terrible, you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. 
When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So, Wayne, I now have a way better understanding of what your sport actually is, how it actually works. But this whole time, we have really just been building back towards the thing that happened just last week, the historic event we started the show with. So take us there, if you could now. Right. The tournament was the World Darts Championship. In London, it sailed over late December, early January, every single year. The venue is called the Alexandra Palace. That's Absolutely world famous. Yeah, Ali Pali, as you guys call it. Yeah, yeah, as we call it, yeah. Because we can't be bothered to say Alexandra Palace. <laughs> we are so lazy, honestly. <laughs> if we can shorten anything, we will. Anyway, so the stage is now set for the World Championships. We all come together after a year of qualifying for this one event. Now... Everyone gets a walk-on music. I love this part. So that the audience can get involved. It adds to the ambiance. It adds to the, the gravitas. It's the best. No, it's the best. And you, you're a practitioner. I actually hold a title, right? This is official. I am the walk-on world champion. <laughs> you know what? Not only uh, do I believe that, at this point in our conversation, I'm not surprised. Honestly, I used to entertain my darts, uh, the way I used to play. I used to wear an Hawaiian shirt. Firstly, would you please welcome from Essex, it's Hawaii, 501! I used to come on high-fiving everyone in like a real manic, <laughs> manic way because... You know, that performance anxiety that I mentioned previously, that used to come out sometimes. So I, I was everywhere. I was absolutely everywhere. <laughs> the World Walk-On Championship took place last March during the, the initial lockdown for covid and I beat Raymond Van Barneveld, a five-time world champion, in the final. I love that this exists. So I am officially the walk-on world champion. But look, that's just a small part of darts. But now, an integral part of darts. It's massive. It's, as entertainment goes, darts is, is knocking it out of the park. So you've set the bar high. Wayne, for the scene that's about to unfold, in other words, the bar is high, and here at Ali Pali, coming in from the shadows, having survived the tournament's 96-man field, by the way, parading onto this trembling stage, are these two men. So how do you want to introduce our two championship finalists? What? Yeah, out of the show. These guys have played six or seven games to get there. They are now, they are, they've now divided the audience. Even though we're in England, Michael Van Gerwen. The three-time champion, Mighty Michael Oh, 
Michael Van Gerwen. Then, there's only one Michael Smith. <laughs> there's only one. They're going at it. They're going at it. They want their man to win. They want their man to win. And they are playing. With endorsements and everything, they're playing for, for well over a million dollars here. Well over a million dollars. And the right to be, this is what was different this year as well, the right to be called the world champion and whoever won that game was the world number one. Man. There was a lot on this. There was a lot on it. So for a human being to hold it together, throwing a little 22-gram piece of tungsten with a point on the end into <laughs> a board over two hours is just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And a key part of this phenomenon that all of this really rests on is this concept of being on nines, right? Like, this is a crucial thing for us to understand here. So please explain what being on nines is to me like I'm five. Right. A nine data is the, the lowest number of darts you can take to finish a leg of 501. And a leg, to be clear, is vocabulary translation. It's one game of 501. Right. 501, the magic number, as in your nickname. Hawaii 501, which stands for, yeah, the total of 501 points that you need to reach to win a game. So the board is showing a 20 at the top. Mm -hmm. The tiniest bit, the smallest part is a triple. That's 320. So that one dart counts as 60. Yeah, that's the hardest part of the dartboard to hit. Outside of the bullseye, that triple score part. Absolutely. And hitting that triple score zone is obviously better to hit than the single score or double score zones because... You're trying to use every available scoring combination to total, yes, exactly 501 points to win using only nine darts. There are professionals that have never hit a nine dart leg. Professionals. There's only been uh, just over a hand, uh, two handfuls here, 11 or 12 been here since the World Championships, the inception in 1976. There hasn't been a nine dart uh, here in the World Championship final since 2012. So it's a long time. It's over a decade. Well, you've been alluding to the ways in which amateurs and professionals are, are very different. And once the match gets started here in earnest, yeah, just seeing the, the rapid pace, the almost palpable confidence of these guys, like I obviously never seen either of them before in my entire life. You were blown away with their talent, right? Oh my God, the talent, the speed with yes. which they were just being perfect. But they're also cheering the maximums. That's three in this match already. Look, I, I've played the game to a similar level. Yes, you were a world ranked as high as what in the world? Yeah, I, I got to num number three or four for, for, for about eight years. I was inside the top eight. But who's counting? Just the top five greatest player in the world, sure. I can play, I can play. Even now... I watch players and I can't believe what I used to do and what they're doing. It seems impossible to me that human beings can be so good at something. 
And what these human beings are trying to do here in this leg, in, in this game that we have all been waiting for now, it all takes place in the second set, right? With Van Gerwen up first. Michael Van Gerwen's kicked off with what was a, a maximum score. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen, if any moves to give him a sniff. Then Michael Smith uh, did the same, a maximum score. The combination finishing in this game is going to be key. You can tell by the way they're scoring. There may be nothing in it. So now... Now, Michael Van Gerwen is on a nine-dart leg. They may both be on nines. Michael may miss and Michael may hit. The fact that Michael Smith may be on a nine-darter as well is just... That's not happened since 2013. Michael Smith then hits another 180, a maximum score. Now, both players, both players are on a nine-dart leg. That's just improbable. They're both on nines! They're both on a nine! This is insane! Come on now! So now we have a possibility of someone actually hitting a nine dart. Well, it gets better than that. Because Michael Van Gerwen hits the two treble 20s which are 120 scored, to leave the double 12. Wow, the World Championship final. Michael Van Gerwen is on a main data in the World Final and just misses double 12. Over to you, Michael. Michael Van Gerwen misses the double 12 and Michael Smith steps up to the ball with a, a something in him that can hold himself together. Over to you, Michael Smith. One man misses, does the other man get? I've never seen the like. So then he steps up, hits the 60. Now he has to go for the treble 19. Hits the treble 19. Come on, Spully boy! Yes, double 12! And then he hit the double 12. The whole world erupted. That is the most amazing Lagunards you will ever see in your life. I can't speak. I can't speak. I erupted. Uh, my co-commentator, Stuart Pike, we didn't know what to do. It was one of those, what do you do? What do you say? What, what do you think? We'd never, ever, ever seen the light. Absolutely unbelievable! The crowd are going berserk! I still can't quite believe that it happened, let alone in a world final. This is the first, the first in darts that's been played since the 1890s. It's the first in darts that's been captured on TV. If this happens somewhere else and he's not captured, we call these people that saw it liars because it's, <laughs> it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But do you know what? Now I've seen it, I believe it. If I hadn't have seen it, it would have gone down as a lie. So your call, your 
honest, spontaneous reaction, your confession, yeah. your call yeah. to the heavens, I can't spike. Yeah. Which went viral immediately, which was hailed rightfully as one of the greatest calls of all time. Yeah, I'm not taking credit for that, though. I'm just taking credit for spouting it because there's a guy in England that you, you won't know. You won't know of him. He's a commentator for a rugby league. Right. No, Wayne, I absolutely did not know of him. You're correct. But I actually did a little bit of homework here in preparation for talking to you. And I learned that the commentator that you're now mentioning is this guy, Mick Morgan, who, as we say in America, is clearly a homer for Castleford, this rugby club. But in this, like, just truly iconic clip, which is from the 90s or something, right? You hear him calling the game. And after an opponent sucker punches a Castleford player, Mick Morgan just goes off. Oh, what about that? Send him off! Send the drifting edge off! Get him off the field! That was diabolical! Get him off the field! But the offender gets off with just a yellow card, which led to the phrase that you both have now officially made famous, I can't spike! It's gonna be a yellow card! I can't spike! You bottleless get, Campbell! You dickhead! You bottleless get! I can't speak! I shall be sent up! I watched this a decade ago, and I was blown away with this guy. Absolutely blown away. And to this day, uh, my wife and I, when something takes our breath away and no words can, can describe what's happening, I often say, I can't speak! <laughs> So when this leg of darts happened, first off, it was, I've never seen the like, which I hadn't. I've never seen the like. Come on, Spike. They're both on nines. Michael Smith is on a nine. Michael Van Gerwen's on, they're both on nines. They're both on nines. They're both on a nine. This is insane. Come on. I've literally never seen the like. <laughs> then once it happens, it's, I can't speak. That is the most amazing lagonauts you will ever see in your life. I can't speak. I can't speak. And what you, you guys don't know, I had the pleasure of phoning Mick Morgan, the original I can't speak commentator. Oh, wow. And saying to him, Mick, uh, you may not know me. Yes, why not? I know you are. I watched the darts. Uh, was his response, <laughs> which is great. And I just said, I want to thank you. I, I wasn't plagiarizing you. I was paying homage to you. You're my inspiration. I couldn't think of anything that would enhance the broadcast. So I said, I can't speak. And the fact that you say the word speak wrong is even funnier because I can't even say the word speak Correctly. <laughs> I can't speak the yeah, word I, I speak. can't even say the word speak correctly. And do you know what? It, it ended up fitting. But it's very fitting that all the plaudits should go to, to Mike Morgan. This one leg, it's changed my view on darts completely. Because I never, never ever thought we'd see it. Someone at their very best at that precise moment is doing their very best whilst someone else is doing their very best. That's just so rare. No, it's, it's, it's a lunar eclipse, and then suddenly there's another moon that just shows up and is doing the same thing. 
I wish I'd have said it that way. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it, exactly that. And again, I'm, I'm speechless. No, I know it literally left you speechless for a while when you were calling the game. Your voice actually kind of got ruined. You had to uh, sit out a couple uh, plays, as it were, but you went on to watch, yes, England's own Michael Smith hold on to win the championship. And that's Michael Smith's first championship ever. He is now the new world number one. Talk about that nine dart. Oh, yeah, he went and went off, back, off backstage and said to Graham Furnace, went, well, like that was when he missed a nine, and I'll give the crowd what they deserve. And, yeah, they got a magical nine, and, yeah, it was good. Unbelievable. And so at the end here, Wayne, what I'm just wondering is what exactly you want America to know what do you want us to know about this game that continues to clearly blow your mind, both in terms of the life you've lived and also the things you continue to see still today? What do you want us to know? Right, I'll tell you what I do want you to know, because I believe this is, this is going to happen. In the U.S., there's a massive darting culture in some parts of some major cities. New York, Philadelphia, Vegas has got a, a base for the dart. Once you guys produce a champion that travels, you will, you absolutely will. Darts will be in every home. It will be on every channel. Mm. It will be streamed worldwide. And you'll be thinking, you'll be thinking, I've got to get into this. It'll be another big bang if there can be another big bang. <laughs> is that even is that even possible? <laughs> Wayne Martel, Hawaii 501, my new favorite athlete in the world. Oh, please. We we will spake to each other again <laughs> when that happens. I can't spake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. Talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.